Aerospace Unplugged. Hello, and welcome to Aerospace Unplugged, your behind-the-scenes look into all things aerospace. I'm your host, Carrie Sinclair, and today I'm talking to championship NASCAR driver, Brad Kosowski. Welcome, Brad. Thanks for having me on, Carrie. Looking forward to talking with you. Great. Well, over the past decade, Brad has won the F Cup and the Xfinity Championships, the Brickyard 400, the Southern 500, and the Coca-Cola 600. In addition to being a NASCAR driver, Brad's a family man, a business owner, and an avid business jet traveler. And today, we're also joined by his chief pilot, John Gorman. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Brad, you're going into the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, and by the time this episode airs, I hope you'll have won your second championship. But you must have a lot on your plate. Can you give us an idea of what your schedule looks like? What's a normal day look like for you? Well, we share the same hopes. First off, Carrie, it's uh, been a, a very good ride for me, 2020, in, in a lot of ways. Certainly a different year, not just for me, but for everyone. But uh, we've been very fortunate to have great races and some good success that we hope translates into a second championship. A lot of work in front of me as we speak today. And, you know, as you bring that up, the schedule is, is always full. Uh, so I have a lot going on. Really, I, I, I wear three hats. It'd be the best answer I could give you, Kerry. Uh, one, of course, is uh, a NASCAR race car driver for Team Penske in the uh, Cup Series that competes full time. That eats up a lot of my time. Uh, the second is with my business, Kozlowski Advanced Manufacturing, which is focused on advanced manufacturing, including metal 3D printing. And the third is uh, I started and run a foundation called the Checker Flag Foundation, which has a mission to serve those who've made great sacrifices for the community, mostly including those who uh, are servicemen, servicewomen, and first responders. So that's a really three full-time jobs that somehow I've got a great team around me uh, I'm able to manage. But really my number one job is I'm also a husband and a father. My wife, Paige, and two daughters reside with me in Mooresville, North Carolina which is uh, kind of the, the home of motorsports. My oldest daughter is five, just starting kindergarten in this new world. Uh, youngest daughter, uh, 10 months, and uh, we're having all kinds of fun. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I stay really busy, but I'm very blessed, so I'm not complaining. I, but this, as you can tell, with all those things going on, a lot of them are travel-based. I have to travel a lot. I utilize a, a Lear 45 to travel around and use private aviation to do so because quite honestly, I can't afford to fly commercial. It costs me more to fly commercial in opportunity costs than it does to fly private. And I know that sounds a little bit strange to a lot of people who might not have the same experiences I have, but the reality is if something happens to me flying commercial, let's say a plane gets delayed or, or whatever it might be, and, and I miss an event, I lose out on a lot of revenue, a lot of salary, a lot of pay, because they don't delay things for me. You know, NASCAR is going to run their race, whether I'm there or not. And uh, so I cannot afford to miss races. Everything is kind of just on time, if you know what I mean, as far as my schedule is concerned. And private aviation makes that possible. Same thing for my business. You know, if I'm not there at an important business meeting or sales meeting, we lose. They don't reschedule. So it's super important for me to be on time and to be a number of places and, and to organize that uh, with the schedule I have. And that comes through uh, being a business jet traveler. Well, maybe a question for John, but what kind of flight hours is your airplane flying? There actually has been absolutely no reduction in the amount of aircraft utilization since the uh, pandemic started. We stay very busy. We're in the air a lot. 
And um, yeah, there's been no reduction at all in flying. Yeah, we're averaging somewhere around 250 hours a year. It's kind of a rough number, carry. Some years that goes up or down a little bit. I've owned my own airplane now for almost nine years, going on 10. So right around the 250-hour average is a pretty good number. So surely this you are not one of the only ones in the NASCAR community that uh, travels via private jet. What was the process like in terms of how you decided to go that route? And were you influenced by others? Absolutely. So, Carrie, to give a little bit of background on that, I'll never forget my first time flying on a, a private plane. It was uh, 2008. I had just moved to North Carolina and I was driving for this gentleman named Dale Earnhardt Jr. A few people listening to this podcast have probably heard of him. I've heard of him. You know, I was so fortunate. I got so many great life experiences out of that. And the first private aviation travel for me came with him. He had his own plane. At that time, he flew a Lear 60 and I flew with him to a couple races, which was awesome. That was the coolest thing ever. But at the time, the team had their own plane and my team today still has their own plane and my schedule wasn't that busy. So it didn't make sense for me to have a private airplane or have access to, to private aviation. Fast forward a few years later, 2010, I signed my first contract in the Cup Series, uh, and I also signed a contract to race full-time in what's now the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and I was running approximately 75 races a year. When that happened, a lot of those races were in different areas. So I might race Saturday in, let's say, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Sunday in Sonoma, California. And as you can imagine, they would, again, run the race without me. And getting back and forth was extremely difficult. So having a, my own airplane became, at that moment, 2010, an absolute requirement. Now, I wasn't in a position capitalized to be able to afford an airplane at that time. So I, I utilized different charter services. After about a year of doing that, I started to kind of say, well, you know, should I have my own airplane? I, I don't know. And I did a deep financial dive. And... Pretty much the, the key lesson was we found that somewhere around 200 hours was the break-even point between owning your own airplane and using charter services. Uh, and with us flying right around 250 hours, it made good sense for me to make the investment myself. So in 2011, I did just that. I made an investment uh, in the Lear 45 that I own today. Got a great deal on it. I have, uh, haven't looked back since. Yeah, I'm trying to do the math in my head, 70 places a year, and then that's not even including any other family commitments, other things that you have to do. Yeah, that's 70 races, right? So uh, in between then, you know, if you look at my schedule, I might race, or I raced at that time 70 weekends a year. But in between then, I might need to go somewhere once or twice a week. So it was a lot of travel, but uh, I still feel very blessed. Well, I want to to pivot a little bit to talk about the pandemic. So we talked about how your flight hours haven't really gone down, but has anything really been impacted by the pandemic? Yeah. Um, before we were traveling and staying in venue for three days on average. Now it's generally one, maybe two tops. So for the pilots, I think they're really enjoying this <laughs> because they don't have to stay in venue for a few days. A lot of times we might even fly out the morning of an event and come back that night. Uh, so although our travel hasn't been reduced, the amount of days or the amount of hours we might be in venue has dramatically reduced because of the uh, pandemic. But it hasn't dramatically affected our, our flight department with respect to our actual flying hours as it stands right now. So, John, let's hear from you. What is different for you with the pandemic? Well, you know, when the pandemic hit, the airlines dramatically cut their flight schedules. 
it's actually been favorable to us with less congestion and more direct routing. What the pandemic did reveal, as Brad mentioned, is that depending on the airlines during this situation just really wouldn't have worked. Uh, it really wasn't an option for Brad to reduce his schedule. Uh, the airplane allowed Brad to travel pretty much uninterrupted during the entire crisis. Uh, another huge benefit of the airplane, it's a safer environment for him to travel in. You know, Brad's health is paramount, and by being in his own airplane, his exposure is essentially zero. Early in the pandemic, there were some challenges with like catering, FBO access, maybe some car rentals, but as the virus became more understood and sanitizing strategies were implemented, those restrictions have lessened quite a bit. Other than those special procedures, it's actually fairly normal at the private aviation level. Okay. Well, so Brad, I understand you use Honeywell's MSP program. Why do you value the MSP program? Well, it's really important for us to know our costs before the season starts. You know, budgeting is, is really tough. By nature, motorsports is very flexible. You know, different things come up and you have to travel different places. And we want to have fixed costs. Quite often, when we have some specific events, we might even bill my flight hours back to partners. You know, whether it be a sponsor-related event or a community-related event that requires travel. And that's just one instance where it's, it's just really nice to have predictable aviation costs, specifically in this case, maintenance. Okay. So MSP gives us that ability to just say, hey, I know no matter what, I'm going to fly, like I said, somewhere around 250 hours a year, and this is what it's going to cost. And I know that before the season even starts, it sure makes the uh, accounting side of things a lot easier. Well, and John, as a pilot who uh, flies with Honeywell's Primus Elite system, how important is it to have the latest technology in the cockpit? Well, you know, the Primus Elite system brought Lear, the Lear 45 up to today's standards. I mean, we have ADSB out charts, maps, XM weather, WASP, LPV, all in one place. We don't have to have a separate device or a separate connection to rely on. And having the equipment provides us easier access to the information that we need. It reduces pilot workload, improves situational awareness, which ultimately enhances the safety and the efficiency of the flight. Another great benefit is the ability to upgrade. You know, as new technology becomes available, like the synthetic vision, which personally I cannot wait to see. You know, for me, Carrie, I was very fortunate to buy a Lear 45 and great market timing. We did we did very well on the purchase price. But of course, you're always looking over your shoulder and wondering if I had the latest, latest and greatest up-to-date plane, would I be safer? And with that comes the conversation of, well, it's going to cost a lot of money to buy a new plane every time there's an upgrade available on a new plane. And I think the ability to take what's already a, a very high quality airplane like a Lear 45 and upgrade it to today's safety standards gives me a dramatic improvement in my peace of mind. The team here will tell you I'm not a great flyer, which might be a little bit surprising to some, but not to others. I drive a race car for a living. And one of the things I love about driving a race car is that I'm in control. <laughs> when I get an airplane, I'm not in control. <laughs> so I want to know that my team has the best tools possible to be as safe as possible without having to buy a new airplane every time there's a new safety enhancement in a, a cockpit. Sounds like you need a pilot's license. Someday. You know, and I get this question a lot, Brad, why don't you fly or do you fly as a pilot? And the answer is no. Um, and there's a real specific reason for that. I want to be the best I can be as a race car driver, as a business owner, as a dad. And I recognize that to be a great pilot, you need to give it a lot of focus. You need to pay attention to a lot of details. And I know I can't do that and, and be good at the other things that are important in my life. And so offloading that work, that workload, I think is the wisest decision to make sure that I'm flying safe and still giving the best I can to other aspects of my life. 
And it's for that reason that I decided not to become a pilot. There are a lot of days where I just want to storm up in the cabin and say, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? <laughs> and hold myself back and say, hey, they're the professionals. Let them be the professionals. Let them be the ones that are uh, studying all the time and, and know the latest, uh, you know, pattern, the latest safety risks, the latest notice to airmen that might be coming up and be the best they can be at it. So that's why I chose not to become a pilot. Maybe one day when I retire from being a race car driver and a businessman, I might change my mind and get into some kind of level of private aviation. But for now, I'm happy with just sitting in the back. <laughs> yeah, you certainly don't have the time to commit. I agree with that. So John, can you talk a little bit about Honeywell Forge Dispatch Services? Uh, yeah, Carrie. Flight Sentinel is our dispatch service, and they have all of our performance data for our specific aircraft. And with a simple phone call, they can quickly and accurately do all the payload, fuel performance, engine failure procedure calculations, and giving me more time to take care of the other ground functions and to learn about other situations that may affect the flight. Even better is when the last minute change occurs and just a quick phone call to Flight Sentinel, and uh, we're quickly on our way with all the updated data. They give us optimized flight routes based on up-to-the-minute conditions, especially in the summertime when we travel a lot. Uh, weather and traffic patterns change, and we can quickly get rerouted to our destination as efficiently as possible. I especially appreciate the suggested reroutes we get en route. Uh, we'll get a text message through our FMS uh, for turbulence and weather to keep Brad comfortable in the back. It monitors our progress en route throughout the entire flight. Uh, you know, we fly all around the country, all over the clock, and it's great to have a dispatch service from Honeywell 24-7, and it's never more than a phone call or a text away. Nice. Well, I'm going to pivot back to Brad's multiple hats. And of course, we know him as a NASCAR driver and a business jet owner. But could you tell us a little bit about why you chose to be involved in additive manufacturing as the owner and founder of Kislowski Advanced Manufacturing? Yeah, well, you know, I, I love work in a lot of ways. Uh, and that's okay. And one of the things that's always stood out to me is I know I'm not going to be a race car driver forever. I want to be a race car driver as long as I can be. But the day will come when, when that's not possible and Father Time will take its due course. Um, and one of the things that I have as an outside interest, because when I get done racing, I'm not just going to retire from life, is manufacturing. And uh, in manufacturing, I've watched my parents, who are kind of manufacturing experts, my dad and uncle could build anything with their hands. I've always been in love with that. I didn't get the same gift they had. In fact, when they were, when I was a kid and they were in the, their shop building parts, I was up front playing on the computer and they would joke with me all the time. You're never going to get anything done on that computer. Times have changed. Now we seem to get a lot done on that computer. And manufacturing is one of those things that's becoming more and more based around computer technologies, computer science. And uh, as I look at that, Industry 4.0 is the big buzzword you might be hearing out in the marketplace. Industry 4.0 is simply the fourth industrial revolution using computer-based technology to enhance manufacturing in new ways with new processes and efficiencies to guide our world. And one of those uh, processes is 3D printing. Metal 3D printing offers a number of advantages. It's not a complete replacement for all existing technologies, but it, it offers some advantages to some of them, specifically metal brazings and prototyping with respect to its ability to enhance designs, speed to market, and offer new materials and strengths that don't exist in other manufacturing forms. And that, quite honestly, has blown me away. Uh, and I fell in love with it as soon as I started to learn about it, Carrie. Uh, and if you look at the industries that are embracing it, probably the number one industry is aviation. 
perhaps more so at this time in uh, defense and advanced aviation applications. But very soon, it'll be more of your commercial and your, your private aviation. And uh, I'm excited about helping to lead that charge. We have a number of parts and products that we're building and developing as we speak that, in my mind, are true game changers. And we're excited to be a part of it. Great. Yeah. And uh, definitely Honeywell has also invested in that technology. It's definitely where our future's headed, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Honeywell has a great manufacturing center for additive manufacturing uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. I've been there a handful of times and they're full in on this technology. It's, it's truly a game changer. It's going to have a, a number of applications uh, and we're kind of limited only by our imagination as to what those might be and the willingness to act on them. And it's nice to see Honeywell acting and we're right there beside them. Well, um, and I want to talk a little bit about your family too. So wife, two daughters, how does the business jet keep you connected? Perfect example. This weekend I'll be racing in Richmond, Virginia, as we're doing this podcast. My family's going to, to travel to see uh, the mom's side, grandmas and grandparents. So when I'm gone, they get to do that a lot. And so we'll, we'll use the, the airplane to drop them off and then pick them back up on my way home. I enjoy them getting to spend time while I'm gone and not feeling alone uh, to grow and, and to build those relationships. You know, I don't typically use my airplane for private vacations very often. Of course, I'm not going to say it never happens, but I am glad to see my kids have the opportunity to be with their grandparents and to have those kind of opportunities while I'm gone and for me to be able to see them and know that uh, they're, they're safe along the way. Well, Les, I also want to ask you about the checkered flag organization that you run. I participated, I think, in a Rebuilding Together event with that a few, maybe two years ago with Honeywell. Yes. Can you tell us more about your uh, mission? Yes, so our, our mission is to help those who've made great sacrifices for the community with an emphasis on first responders and military. Uh, and we've got a number of initiatives, and I'm so proud of all of them, from retreats, healing camps for those that might be struggling with PTSD in their family so they can reconnect in times where things get a little rough. Uh, that's one of the things we do with Operation Purple Healing Camp. We're very, very proud of, of sponsoring those camps. Along with that, we have other initiatives that we're really proud of. We have uh, dog donations. So again, centering around PTSD uh, with respect to uh, some of our military members that come back from the field are really struggling with PTSD. We help train and purchase a dog for them to help them through their PTSD experiences. We've supplied funds for uh, endowments, an endowment local here in North Carolina for a police officer who lost his life in the line of duty and to make sure that his name goes on and is used to recognize his sacrifice, but also to train other police officers for the future. And, and the list goes on and on. I'd say at any one time, we, we have more programs than I can remember. <laughs> and we've done a lot. I'm very, very thankful. And we can't do everything, but we do what we can when we can. And uh, we try to leave a mark on the community that's positive and, and shows our appreciation, our gratitude and respect for, for those that make our way of life possible. That is very cool. Thank you. So, Brad, where can people find out more about you? Any website URLs or social media handles? Yeah, so a number of standouts. When it comes to the foundation, right, Kozlowski Checkered Flag Foundation, very simple, bkcff.org. That's the uh, website address for the foundation. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. See some of the latest and greatest using that same bkcff. And then, of course, I'm on uh, a number of social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, along with Twitter under the 
sign Keslowski at Keslowski. So you can find me there with all the latest and greatest happenings, which we're really proud of. And then uh, my company, Keslowski Advanced Manufacturing, you can find at camsolutions.com along with that same address using all the social media handles. So I hope you'll come check it out. Thanks. So it's been a pleasure speaking with both of you. Um, let's start with John, but we always ask one question of our guests as we part ways. Since this is Aerospace Unplugged, how do you unplug at the end of the day? John, do you want to start? Sure, Gary. I'm a bit of an audiophile. So at the end of a long day, I get a hot cup of tea, find my comfortable chair, and sit with my wife with some smooth jazz playing on the stereo. Nice. <laughs> how about you, Brad? Uh, how do I unplug? Well, first off, I am a terrible unplugger. But I'm trying to get better at it, Carrie. And uh, my number one thing to do to unplug is spend time with my wife out on Lake Norman, which is close to where I live uh, in North Carolina, uh, on a boat, jet ski, whatever it might be, whether it be swimming, but some kind of activity in the water. All right. Well, it was, has been a great pleasure to talk to both of you today. So thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome, Carrie. Thanks for all your support. And we wish you the best. Yeah. Thank you very much, Carrie. I enjoyed it. The best to you. And especially in the cup. So good luck. Thank you. Brad and John, thanks again for joining us on today's episode of Aerospace Unplugged. Again, I'm your host, Carrie Sinclair. If you'd like to learn more about the Honeywell products Brad and John have been using, please visit us at aerospace.honeywell.com. And don't forget to subscribe to Aerospace Unplugged on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, safe travels. Today's episode was produced by Bogdan Korshev and edited by Mircha Pizai.